Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. What's going on, friends and fam in the room? My name's Nathan. If we hadn't had a chance to meet yet, I'm one of the pastors here. Big shout out to everybody watching online. Thanks for crashing the party today. We are in week eight of a sermon series entitled Seven, which makes one think uh, whoever planned this was not strong in math. And uh, so, surprise, I planned it, and uh, math is not my strong suit. Uh, But what happened here is uh, Jesus wrote seven letters to seven different churches in the book of Revelation. So this whole series, I was thinking, if Jesus wrote a a letter to us here to the church in Winston-Salem, what would he say? You know, if there was something that he could challenge us on or encourage us on or call us out on, like, what would that letter look like uh, for us today? And, and I noticed there was a pattern uh, in, in all of these letters that Jesus wrote and, 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 and sent to these churches in the, in the book of Revelation. Um, Jesus always answered the same question by the end of the letter. So what's next? What's next? You ever thought about that in the last two years? <laughs> That's a question that I've been asked and that I've asked a thousand times. Uh, Friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, teachers, politicians, complete strangers, we all wanna know what is next? What's going to happen next? In, In February of 2020, when the country shut down, people started to ask, all right, so what's next, right? What's the deal with school? Is it going to be at home learning or, or in, 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 in the school or how long is it going to last? Like what's next? What, what are we going to do with it? Is, it, is, is, is are we doing back to large gatherings? Can we do that again? Like what's the rules with that? What's next? Do we do masks? No masks. Double masks? What do we got to do? Like what's next? How long is this going to last? What, what is next? And we began to a- ask that question. Well, a few months pass and some of the restrictions begin to lift. And guess what? Everybody started asking, what's next? Right? What's next? What are we going to do? What's the next decision? When will it get back to normal? Will it? Is this the new normal? If it's not the new normal, then when is the new normal going to hit? Like, I just want to know, like, it just seems like we're, we're stuck in this cycle. So what's next and, and when is next going to get here? Uh, financially, a lot of people are asking questions about what's next. Housing market going crazy and can't find a house and paying a lot for a house and like, what's next? What does that look like? Have you uh, seen like the price of everything's going up right now, right? Just food and commodities and everything. Have you bought gas lately? <laughs> I bought gas the other day, $3.69 a gallon. Yo, that is, what's the deal with like the GPA? That's magna cum laude, 3.69, that's magna cum laude right there. Uh, I, remember back in the day when it was 1.98 academic probation gas, $1.98. That's what I want. When's it going to stop? When's it going to go back? I want the academic probation gas, not the magna cum laude prices. Uh, what is next? How long will it last? And, and when will the new normal be here? Um, in the meantime, we've had elections and wars and vaccines and Delta variants. And here we are in October of 2021, and everybody's asking the same question. What's next? 
What will it be? What, what should we anticipate? Well, Jesus answered that question for every one of the churches that he wrote a letter to. So I began to ask myself that question. If Jesus could tell us and answer the question for us, the church here in Winston-Salem, uh, wherever you're watching online, and even right here, Revo Church, what would be the answer to what's next? What's next for you? What's next for us? What do the next steps look like? And I think I found a text in this one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible, in Mark chapter two, this incredibly powerful story where I believe six different ways, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to jot down six different things this morning that I believe if Jesus had the chance to write us a letter and we asked him, God, what is next? These would be the things that he would remind us of. These would be the things that would be on the front burner in our lives and in, in, in our hearts as we move forward. So if you have your Bible, let's do Mark chapter two. If you have your uh, app, you can open it up. All the sermon notes will be there, the blanks to fill in, all you type A'ers out there. And uh, I wanna give you six things uh, that, that I see from this incredibly powerful story from Jesus, uh, his life in ministry. This is the story of when Jesus heals a, a paralyzed man. Incredible account. Here, here it is, chapter two, of Mark, starting in verse one. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that Jesus had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and Jesus preached the word to them. I think if there was one thing that Jesus could start the letter out, start the teaching out today to us, it would be to make sure that we grasp this point that we read here in these first two verses. You ready for this? Number one, jot this down. People need Jesus. People need Jesus. Did you, did you see what happened there? It said that the people heard that Jesus was coming into town based strictly on a rumor. Jesus wasn't updating his social media, letting people know where he was. Like there wasn't a calendar online that you could check and track Jesus's ministry. Like just a rumor was started that Jesus might be coming to this town. And just at the thought of a rumor, scripture says that so many people showed up that we're not talking about like standing room only in the inside. There wasn't even any standing room outside. People were spilling out the doors and hanging out the windows. Like this was is crazy. People were showing up out of, out of nowhere just to see Jesus. You wanna know why? Because people need Jesus. Now here's the thing. I doubt any of you have ever had a friend or a family member or a neighbor or a coworker come up to you and say, I need Jesus. Will you show me where Jesus is? Will you, will you show me? Like, I, know, I realize now I, I gotta find Jesus. Show me where I can find him. I doubt that they've ever say, said that. But here are a lot of things that people have said that should put a red flag up in your mind that Jesus is exactly who they're looking for. Here's, here's one of them. Um, have you ever heard somebody say, I wish that I could just find some peace in my life. I wish that I wasn't so anxious all the time and that I, that I could just have some peace and contentment in my life. Do you know where that comes from? It comes from Jesus. So they didn't come up to you and say, I need Jesus, but you just heard them say, I'm looking for something that you and I know that only Jesus can provide. People are looking for Jesus today. Another thing maybe you've heard is, I wish that I could find some fulfillment in my life, some purpose in my life. Have you ever heard people talk like that? What are we here for? 
What am I doing? I'm not getting a lot of satisfaction out of my job. I don't even know if I should be doing it. I don't know if I'm wasting my time. I wish that God would just tell me why I'm here. I wish that there was just something that I could understand and have some kind of fulfillment about who I am and some kind of purpose in my life. Do you know where you can find that? Jesus. People are looking for Jesus and don't even know that that's who they're looking for. Here's here's another one. Uh, I wish I could figure out how I could be happy and have joy in my life and have contentment. You ever met someone that has a lot of stuff, but they can't even enjoy it? They, they, they have like toys and cars and homes and stuff, and, but they work a lot and they don't even have time to enjoy it. And they don't understand they got a great spouse and a great family and a, a great job and a great situation, but they're just like, man, I, I just, there's no contentment here. There's no satisfaction. There's no fulfillment in any of this, even though I have everything that I thought I could possibly ever want. You know what that person's asking you? I need Jesus. Because you and I know if you're a follower of Jesus, the only contentment, the only joy, the only source of real purpose and happiness in your life is when you meet Jesus. And so based on a rumor that Jesus might show up hurting, broken, searching people, people that were searching for happiness and joy and purpose and some kind of fulfillment in life, people that were empty on the inside and empty on the outside, all flocked to this house based on a rumor that Jesus was going to be there. That is why here at at Revo, every time you walk in the door, the sermon's gonna be about Jesus. All the songs, about Jesus. We're gonna talk about Jesus. We're gonna sing about Jesus. We're gonna point people to Jesus. We're gonna elevate Jesus. We're gonna love like Jesus. We're gonna serve like Jesus. We're gonna give like Jesus. Spoiler alert, all of this is about Jesus. You wanna know why? Because people need Jesus. And whether your family and friends realize it or not, they are looking for Jesus. It might come in the form of I'm looking for peace or satisfaction or happiness or fulfillment or purpose or joy. I'm I'm looking for just something that I feel like is missing in my life. And that is our indication that what our friends and family need, whether they realize that their deepest desires in their heart and soul can only be met by Jesus because they've been trying to fill it with job and money and stuff and people and everything they could possibly think of but yet here we are. There was a rumor that Jesus was going to be there and people came from all around just to hear it. Man, we're still in a world where we're we're like doing 50% capacity in certain places. And like, we're not talking about 50% capacity and, and couldn't sit on the inside. There were so many people that came to hear Jesus and to meet Jesus and to encounter Jesus that there wasn't even any room outside for people to stand. In, in walks one of the characters in our story. In verse three, it said, some men came bringing to Jesus a paralyzed man carried by four of them. So there's a, a paralyzed man that from what we know could have been paralyzed his, his whole life and he lived his whole life on a mat. Think of a big bed sheet or a big towel. And the only way, because he couldn't walk, the only way he could get anywhere is if someone were to pick that mat up and carry him somewhere. Now, when I read that verse, your mind might have went to two, one of two different places. Some of you thought, wow, how bad is it for that paralyzed man? Guy can't walk. Man, what a, what a bad lot in life. Man, how unlucky, right? And you read that and you think, man, I want to feel sorry for the paralyzed man. But I actually read that verse in a totally different way. I look at that paralyzed man and think, how lucky is he 
to have four friends that are willing to pick him up in his darkest hour? How lucky is he to have four people that would care about him so much that when he couldn't do anything on his own, they would step in and do it for him? Most people in America right now only wish that they had what this paralyzed man had. People that when you've been in your darkest hours over this past season, someone to encourage you, someone to pick you up, someone to wrap their arm around you, someone to look at you and say, you can do it. I got your back. I'm in it with you. How lucky would you be if you had people like that? You and I need to understand that in this story, there are parts and seasons in our life where we are the paralyzed man can't do anything for ourselves, completely downtrodden, completely discouraged, disappointed with where our lives are right now. And thank goodness this man had four friends that were willing to step in and say, I'll help you. I'll encourage you. I'll build you up. That's why we talk about small groups here at Revo. Are you involved in a community group that when you're at your darkest hour and your back is against the wall, are you gonna be isolated and alone? Are you gonna have friends that will come alongside you and help you and pick up the mat and encourage you and dust you off and, and, and speak some life over you in your darkest hours? How lucky is this man right here in this story? Because that's you and I as well. One paralyzed man sitting on a bed sheet carried by four of his friends. Each one of them grabbed a corner in order to balance him and, and pick him up. Like think about how difficult that would have been, balance him and pick him up. So not only in this story are there seasons in our lives where you and I are the paralyzed man on the mat, but you and I need to realize that Jesus is calling us to be one of the four friends in our lives as well. Four friends that grabbed a corner. Now I want you to think about what these guys had to do. Uh, these four friends had jobs, and you know what they did that day? They took off work. I imagine this isn't the first time that they have served this friend. It wasn't just some four random people walking down the road. Like, I imagine these people might have invested in this guy before, might have given of their time and their treasures and their resources in order to help this guy in any way that we could. And when they found out that Jesus was gonna be here, they cleared their schedules. They canceled all their meetings that day. They said, I, maybe I can make some money today, but this is the most important thing that I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be a friend that grabs a corner. There are a lot of people at Revo Church that are those four friends that serve hard and give generously. And they're always looking at ways that they can help other people. Hey, we see a need, I wanna meet a need, I'll grab a corner. Uh, see somebody that needs help, I'll grab a corner. But I gotta be honest with you, our church has a lot of people in it that are still sitting on the sidelines when God's called you to grab a corner. A lot of people that are like, somebody else will do it, somebody else will go, somebody else will give, somebody else will serve, somebody else will volunteer, somebody else will step up, somebody else will raise their hand, they don't need me. I wonder how many people walked past that man on the mat every day, just thinking, oh man, poor guy. Poor guy, hey, God bless you, okay, I hope somebody helps you. Hope you like, I'll be praying for you, brother. I hope somebody, hope somebody steps in. Which one are you? Are you gonna be one of the four friends that call Revo Church home that will stop and pick up a corner of a mat and do whatever it takes to get someone to Jesus? Or will you be the one that sits on the sideline or, or just walks by when other people are, are getting in the game and understanding what God has called them to do? 
Man, what, what a challenge that it would have been to the other people in the audience to see these four men struggling, straining, pulling, carrying, clearing their schedule, sacrificing so that this man's life could be changed, just so that he could meet Jesus. Will you become one of the four friends here? Will you do whatever it takes? Will you grab a corner? Will you serve and sacrifice and give of your time, your talents, and your treasure so that people that are far from God, that walk in these doors, people that are broken and hurting and have no hope in our city can find the thing that they're looking for? There's an invitation for you this morning. Why don't you grab a corner? It was time for these guys to move from being a spectator to actually being a contributor in this guy's experience with Jesus. So here's what happens uh, when, when, when people do that. In, in verse four, uh, they got to the front door. It says, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and they lowered the man, the mat was lying down, just lowered it right in front of Jesus. I don't know what happened. I don't know if they showed up late. I don't know if one of the guys got lost. I don't know if the paralyzed man couldn't get dressed in time or there was a long way away. Here's what happened. They were late. They showed up late and there's no way to get in. Doors, people are spilling out in the doors, the windows, like can't even get close. Now, some people at that moment would have brought the guy to the outside of the building and say, well, we tried. You know what? A for effort. I tried, I made a call, I, I showed up and it didn't work out like I thought it would. And so, eh, sorry, man, maybe some other time. Not these guys. You need friends like these guys. <laughs> you need to be a friend like these guys are. These guys decided since they could not get in the door, they said, man, our goal is to get this man to Jesus. And if we can't get him in the door, then we're gonna get him in through plan B. And these movers turned into uh, lightweight construction workers, installed a skylight in this man's house at no charge to him, lowered their friend down right in front of Jesus just so that they could get him to him, ripped a hole in the roof just so their friend's life could be changed. Let me give you the second thing that I want you to write down. Um, here's the next step. So what's next for us? Uh, you and I need to be a bringer. Be a bringer. I don't even know if bringer is a word. I just made it up. You need to be a bringer. These four friends decided that they were gonna stop at nothing to bring their friend to Jesus. They knew, they heard the rumor that Jesus was gonna be there. So let me ask you this. If you knew that your friends, that your family, that your neighbors, that your coworkers, if you knew that they needed Jesus, that people were looking for Jesus, and you knew that every Sunday, this dude is gonna stand up here and talk about Jesus, and those girls are gonna stand up and we're gonna sing about Jesus, and we're gonna give to Jesus, and we're gonna serve like Jesus, and we're gonna love like Jesus, and God's presence is here. Like, if you knew those two things, wouldn't you bring whoever you could here so that they could meet Jesus? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be a bringer? Like if you knew the very thing that would change their life was here. If you knew that the thing they were looking for, the thing that you found, if you knew that to be true, wouldn't you bring somebody with you? Wouldn't you stop at nothing to get people here? Wouldn't you call them and text them? Wouldn't you say, hey, I'll come by and pick you up on the way? Wouldn't you say, I'll take you out to breakfast ahead of time just to make sure you don't sleep in? Wouldn't you say, I'll take you out to lunch afterwards? If they said no one time, wouldn't you text them back on a Monday and say, all right, how about this week? 
We meet every week. If this Sunday didn't work, let's try next Sunday. Would you send them the link to a sermon? Would you invite them here over and over again, even if they said no? Like if you knew that you could be a bringer and help see someone's life changed by Jesus, would you do it? What's next? Be a bringer. Because we've got a world that is broken and hurting, looking for Jesus, and you know where he is. You are just a beggar that found the bread, and now you need to go tell the other beggars where they can find the bread. That's all this is. Thank goodness these four friends were bringers, and that they would stop at nothing to bring their friend to Jesus. Taking off of work, clearing their schedule, missing out on other opportunities, the strain, the physical strain of carrying this man, dead weight on this towel, on this bedsheet, on this mat, and then getting there and being like, all right, so I thought we were gonna be able to walk in the door, but it looks like we're gonna have to figure out how to get this joker on the roof, man. Can you imagine that? Trying to get him on the roof? And they got him up there and then they had to dig through the roof and he's like, well, what's the owner of the house gonna say? Forget, who cares? Like, let's get this guy to Jesus. And they, they got him to Jesus, man. What would it look like for us to be a bunch of bringers knowing that what the world was looking for can be found right here. They can encounter God in a real personal way and can hear the gospel and it can change their life. Listen to what happened. The newly installed skylight bringing the guy down in front of Jesus. Jesus is in the middle of the room preaching. And in, and in verse five, it says, um, when Jesus saw their faith, hold, pause, right? You got your pen out. I want you to circle that, highlight it, underline it, put a smiley face by it, write a note beside it. If you're real crazy, underline it twice. Jesus saw what? Their faith. Not the faith of the man on the mat. Jesus saw the faith of the friends that were carrying the man. Jesus saw their faith. And when he saw that, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Please don't miss that. Please don't read by that too quickly and miss what just happened. Because Jesus makes it very clear that your faith could be the catalyst to change someone else's life. Your obedience, your boldness, your generosity, your sacrifice. Some of you are praying for friends and family to come into a relationship with Jesus. What if Jesus said, I'm going to use you to do it? It's going to be your boldness, your invite, your friendship, your story, your testimony. It's going to be your giving and your serving that is going to be the catalyst to these people meeting Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, it is your friend's faith that is getting ready to make me say this to you right now. Here's a question that I think, a, a, a challenge that I think Jesus would give us right here. You wanna see something crazy? Write this down. Number three, Jesus is looking at us and saying, show me your faith. You wanna see something supernatural happen? Show me your faith. You wanna see somebody's life changed? You wanna see things turn around? You wanna see something amazing? Show me your faith. Don't blame them. Don't look at anywhere else. You show me your faith. And God says, when I see your faith in action, then you will see something supernatural happen. When Jesus saw their faith, I, you need to get this, man. This is so much bigger than you and me. Your relationship with Jesus is so much bigger than just you and God or you and me. Your obedience, your faithfulness, your boldness, your gift, your service could change someone else's life. Feel the weight of that. 
man, thank goodness this man had four friends of great faith. Let's go. Boom. <laughs> Welcome back online. Everybody's at home like to turn their computer volume up. What's wrong with you? We back. This man came up and he, and he wanted his uh, legs to be healed, right? And what did Jesus said? Jesus looked at him and said, son, your, and he's like, legs are going to be healed. Legs are going to be healed. Yes. Son, your legs are healed. And he said, son, your sins are forgiven. Hmm. Uh, so Jesus, uh, still no feeling, man. Still on this mat. Like, what's the deal? I've, I've learned something over this uh, past season. Um, sometimes the Lord wants to do a deeper work in you than you even knew to ask for. See, this man wanted his legs to be healed. But Jesus said, man, you don't even understand the spiritual paralysis that you have. You want me to do something that will change your life today, but I'm getting ready to do something that will change your life for eternity. And he didn't even know to ask for it. And so sometimes in this season, we, we may think, well, Jesus, I'm asking for one thing, but I'm getting another thing. And, and so like, what's, what's the deal, God? Sometimes we don't even know what to ask for, but Jesus has a plan for your life. And he has something he wants to do in you that is so deep and so profound that you didn't even know that that was your next step to ask for. Son, your sins are forgiven. In verse six, here's another character to the story. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Uh, into the story walks, what? A couple of haters. <laughs> I want you to write that down. Uh, number four is this, uh, haters gonna hate. I think a lot of Christians are struggling with that right now because we're in a culture uh, that, that doesn't like a lot of the things of what the Bible says. And if you share uh, your opinion that's based on scripture, uh, then some people don't agree with you. And some people don't like that. And the problem with, with haters is that's what haters do. They hate. <laughs> and so you, need, you and I need to understand that Jesus had haters. And if you're gonna live a life like Jesus, you know what that means? That means you're gonna have haters too. 
And so we can't let the people that disagree with you or that are gonna berate you or talk bad about you, you can't let those people keep you from doing what God has called you to do. Like some of us are like paralyzed right now because we don't know what we can and can't say. We don't know what we should or shouldn't do because like we're in a culture of cancelization right now. So you're just like, man, I'm scared of what other people might say. Can I just remind you as a follower of Jesus, there will be haters. And if you and I are gonna change the world, we won't do it by looking just like the world. You gotta be different. And so your opinions are gonna be different. Your thoughts, the way you give and love and serve and what you do with your time and your talent and treasure, all of that is gonna be different. You are going to have haters just like Jesus had haters in his life. Remember, you will never influence the world if you look just like it. So it's okay to have some critics in your life. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. Isn't that crazy? Like They didn't even have to say it out loud. They were thinking it and Jesus knew it. And, and Jesus looked at him and said, why are you thinking about those things? <laughs> right? I mean, that would have freaked them out right there. It's just like, what, did I just say that out loud? Or how does he know that, that I was thinking that? <laughs> why are you thinking about the things that you're thinking about right now? Which is easier, Jesus said, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So this is what he said to the man. Jesus said, there's something that I wanna teach you. There's something I wanna do for you. I wanna understand, I'll help you understand what's next, what's next for him, what's next for you. Here's what he said. He turned to the man and he said, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Get up, take your mat and go home. Here's number five. Fifth thing I want you to write down is this. Uh, It's time to get up. Jesus says, get up. Over this past season, there's been so many people dealing with discouragement and discontentment, with disappointment. Maybe there's been some shame over some things that have happened over this past season. Maybe for some of you, you feel like spiritually, you're in a slump right now. Man, like for me, just personally, I felt like over, over these past two years, like it was almost like somebody hit the pause button on so many good areas of life, like pause button on the joy of life, pause button on the fulfillment of purpose and pause button on the excitement about the future. I don't know if you can relate to that, but, but there's been times where I've just found myself, whether it's in like a physical or relational or, or mental or even a spiritual moment where I was having a pity party for myself and just sitting down, proverbially speaking, and Jesus speaks into that. And he says, man, I know that you've had a tough season. He looks at this paralyzed, man, I know that you've had it hard. I know that you've had it rough. But today I have a clear message for you. Get up. It's time to get up. It's time to move forward. Now I know what your objections are because I've had the same objections. Man, it just feels like we've lost so much momentum over this past season. Like, it just feels like before all this stuff went down, we were going up and to the right and things were going well and, and like life was good and, and, and things seemed to be moving in the right direction. And then all of this happened and we've lost so much momentum. And God says, get up, man. Instead of mourning over the momentum that you lost, why don't you get up and try to create some new momentum? Get up. Yeah, but Nathan, man, I'm like, I don't know if you can relate to this. I'm tired. 
I'm discouraged in life, man. So many things seem to be going wrong. And like, why can't we catch a break? And when is it going to be over? And yeah, but God, like I'm, I'm tired and I'm just discouraged. Well, let me share with you what Jesus says in Matthew 11. He says, come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus promises, are you tired and discouraged? Jesus says, get up. And come to me, and you will find the rest that you're looking for. But get up. you got to get up. you got to start moving forward. What about, man, there's just so much worry in the world right now. There's so much fear going on. We don't know what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. And what about all of those emotions? And can I remind you what Paul says in 2 Timothy 1.7? He says, for the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. Paul looks at Timothy during a tough time and says, get up, boy. Like, come on, man, get up. You're not going to sit around here and be scared. That's not how God created you to be. Get up. Take the next step. Trust in him. Lean into him. There's so much opposition in the world today. I get that a lot from Christians. Man, it just seems like culture and everyone's against Christianity and, and the values that Jesus exuded and taught about. Like, man, it just feels like we're pushing up against a wall and, and our back's against the wall and we're not making any progress in that. What do you say about all the opposition? And man, it's just discouraging. Can I remind you of what Jesus said in Matthew 16? Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Get up. Get up, man. We're not on defense. We're on offense. Scripture says nothing will stop the church. Nothing. I looked up the Greek word for nothing. You know what it means? Nothing. Simple as that. Jesus says, get up. Get up. It's time to get up, man. I know it's been a tough season. Get up. Start moving forward in your relationship with Jesus again. Let's see what God can do. Here's what we have right now. Here's what we have right now. You and I have right now. This reason enough for us to get up and move forward. You and I have the word of God, the power of God, the spirit of God, the presence of God, the calling of God, and the mission of God. You have all of that on your life. You have everything you need to do what God called you to do. So get up. It's time to get up. Jesus looks at this paralyzed man and says, get up. And then, ooh, man, I wish Jesus would have left this last phrase out. Because he throws a a phrase in there that's a curveball. But it's the sixth thing, last thing I want you to write down. Jesus says, get up. And number six, he says, take your mat. Now, why in the world would Jesus have looked at that paralyzed man and said, take your mat? You know what that mat stood for? It stood for pain. It stood for heartache. It stood for a season of his life that was marked by frustration and loss and tears Man, if I were that guy, I, I would want to leave that mat behind. I don't want to take that. I never want to see that mat again. I want to set that mat on fire. Some of you have said that about this past season. It's like 2020, I'm, I'm just trying to block that out of my mind. I'm just trying to pretend like that never happened. Like I, I'm just ready to move forward. Forget about all of that because you've been through heartache. You've been through pain. You've been through suffering. You've been through dark nights of the soul. And when that happens to us, our immediate reaction is throw it away. It's a complete waste. I never want to deal with it again. And in the midst of that attitude, Jesus says, get up and take your mat. Hey, whoa, don't leave that behind. What you went through this past season God says, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. You're going to learn from that. That's going to be a part of your story. 
all the pain, all the hardship, those things that you went through, the struggle, I'm gonna redeem that. I'm gonna use that for my glory. Can you imagine the man on the mat? Scripture says he picked up his mat, rolled it up. Everywhere that man went, he had a mat underneath his arm. Can you imagine the people that would have reached out to him? Hey man, what's the, uh, what's the deal? What's the mat? <laughs> what's the mat? Have I got a story for you. I used to be paralyzed and I met this man named Jesus and he changed my life. And so I carry this mat around everywhere to remind myself of the power of Jesus and what he can do. And you may be on the struggle bus. You may have some things in your life that are deep-seated areas of pain. And Jesus says, I can even take your darkest moments and turn them into an incredible story, if you'll let me. If you'll just take your mat with you. Hey man, don't be so quick to look at this past season and wanna throw it away when Jesus specifically says, no, 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 those are the things that I wanna use. I, he took this man's darkest moment in life, the thing that symbolized so much pain and suffering, and he said, now I'm gonna use that for the rest of your life as a part of your story, and you're gonna help me get other people to Jesus. <laughs> what a powerful story. Last verse, he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this before. We have never seen anything like this before. Have you heard that recently? <laughs> I'll tell you a, a word that I'm tired of, unprecedented. Everything's unprecedented these days, right? Never had, this division is unprecedented. The, the, the politics is unprecedented. The pandemic is unprecedented. The, the hopelessness is unprecedented. The, everything we're going through right now is unprecedented. We never had to do this in schools or with families or whatever. Like, I'm so tired of that word. Here, here's an idea. You wanna do something? Let's do something unprecedented. Let's flip the script. You want to? What if instead of the church looking at the world and culture and saying, this is unprecedented, we've never seen anything like this before. What if you and I showed unprecedented faith? What if we had unprecedented boldness? What if we lived with unprecedented generosity? What if we served people like in a, in a way that we've never served people before? And what if the world looked at the church in Winston and said, I've never seen anything like that before. That's unprecedented. Like what God is doing there, the way that he's using those people, the stuff that is getting done in the name of Jesus there, never seen anything like that before. Let's flip the script, man. Let's flip the script. I'm tired of everybody else telling us what to do and what unprecedented means. Let's show them something. Let's let this church step up in this city and do something supernaturally through the power of God. Here's how we're gonna do it. We're gonna be reminded that people need Jesus. We're gonna be a bringer. We're gonna constantly show God our faith and see what he does as a result of it. We're gonna remember that haters are always gonna hate. They'll always be a part of the story around us. We're not gonna get discouraged by that. And we're gonna take our mat and we're gonna pick it up get up and take what God has done in our life and use it for his glory moving forward. You in? Let's do it, man. If Jesus could write a letter to us today with a challenge, I think those are the things that he would write to us. Now let's ask God to teach us what to do with the words that we just heard. God, thank you for an incredible story. Thank you for friends of great faith. Thank you for the reminder that we need Jesus in every area of our life and that people all around us are looking for you. 
God, I pray that we would know what to do with the words that we've just heard. Give us the wisdom and the discernment to take steps beyond this moment in order to help people find and follow you. Ask and pray those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.